The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Thank you. Thank you. I think you said most of the good things I gave you to tell about, about me, didn't you? There was a couple you, you missed in there. I, I don't know. My goodness, it's scary seeing yourself that big sometimes, I think, you know. But, but that's a younger me and my, and my bride of 37 years. And we were in the Tetons a few summers ago, and uh, that's when that picture was, <clears throat> was taken. She's actually here this morning. And you'll want to get to know her. She's sitting right down here. She follows me everywhere I go. And, and, I, and, I, appreciate, and I appreciate that. So, <clears throat> You know, that was a great buildup. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Good, good things. It's always nice to hear good things said about yourself. But I want you to know that people have been saying incredible things about Highlands. Okay, your, your reputation goes far beyond Paso Robles or the Santa Barbara Presbytery. Uh, you, you are well known. And, and like Matt said, there, there are going to be a lot of people who will want to come and be your next pastor. I do not want to be that person. Sorry to tell you that. I don't want to be that person. I, I am a person who helps churches transition. My life has been a bunch of transitions when I think back of all of the things that, that God has led me through. And you are the fifth church that, that I will help guide through this process. It's a fun thing for me to do, and I hope it will be fun for you. I, I'll struggle with your name. So, you know, there's only one of me and then Peggy, and there's like hundreds of you all, okay? So help me out with names. I'm, I probably won't remember your name even by the time I'm finished here and leaving. Uh, I hope you don't feel slighted by that, but um, names just kind of come in, you know, have you had that in one ear and out the other? And, and that's just the way my, uh, my mind works. So, and I'll forget you sh- soon after I'm gone and you'll forget me and you'll just move on and, and just have a great, great ministry. So... But that's just the way transitions are. And I know this is really the, the first transition for Highlands Church. Um, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's actually something to embrace. This is a, a great joy, a, a great time to, to, to be who God called you to be, truly. Right? It's a time of testing. It's a kind of a, of a wilderness experience for you to, to walk through. One of the great texts of Scripture about walking through the wilderness is the Exodus text of the children of Israel leaving Egypt, God calling them out to a new life and a new freedom and a new uh, land that he was calling them to. Really, truly an independence from slavery to freedom. And I'm taking a text out of the 16th chapter. This text is a text that is one and one half months after they left Egypt. After all the plagues were over, after crossing the Red Sea to get away from Pharaoh and his men, after nearly thirsting to death and, and God gives them sweet water from bitter, one and one half months later, they're struggling with what they might be able to eat and whether they're going to 
to be, uh, for, be going forward or whether they're going to be going back to Egypt and to slavery. This is what the text says to us. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had, left, after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole company then grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And so Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? that you should grumble against us. Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he's heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? Are we not grumbling against, are you not grumbling against us but against the Lord? Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord for he has heard you're grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumblings of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the entire camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. This account of the Exodus has always kind of intrigued me. I always enjoy those transitions in my life where God has opened new doors. He's presented me with new things, new experiences, new ways of, of getting to know Him and God getting to know me as well. I think what I like most about reading the text of Exodus is that I see their destination. I can see that they're going to make it. I see the fulfillment of the promise. And God saw that as well. He saw the destination he was leading them to. He knew the fulfillment of the promise. And yet, even though God saw all that, they did not, for they were in the midst of the journey. They were in the midst of the desert. And there was so much grumbling and disbelief. Grumbling seems to be a way of life with some, does it not? We've stopped calling it complaining in our house. We call it, I'm making an observation. 
okay? Not complaining about the food, I'm just making an observation. <laughs> and you can use that too if you'd like. It seems we all like to grumble on certain things. And it doesn't matter how good or how bad. There's, we usually find something to grumble about or complain about. And it doesn't matter how fast things happen. It's not fast enough for some people. It doesn't matter how many people we help. There's always someone who is left out who doesn't get that help that, that we would love to offer. No matter how many people are fed, someone isn't. No matter how much progress is made, it still just doesn't seem to be enough for some people. I know you all know people like that. People who like to sit back and armchair quarterback everything because they think it's someone else's responsibility. It's someone else's job to get that done, to see that that happens, right? It's Jill's job to see that Highland's got talent happens. Whether you got talent or no talent, it's her job. She's got to get that done. Right? No, it's postponement. That's all right. I know there's talent here. I've been told there's talent here. So, Jill, take heart in that. We love to blame, and the people we blame are the leaders, do we not? Right to the top. We love to blame political people for not getting things done or doing the things we think they should do or doing them the way we think they should be done. And so we give them criticism. Israel was that kind of, in that kind of a situation. They were starving. They were hungry. And whose fault was it? It was obviously the leader's fault. Moses and Aaron, they were the ones who had helped guide them to this point. It wasn't, they didn't blame God, it seems. They were blaming Aaron and Moses. And they had just left Egypt. 45 days ago, they'd crossed the Red Sea and seen God's power and his awesomeness. And here they stand a little bit hungry and they're ready to take Moses and Aaron and just throw them out and head back to Egypt. Why did you bring us out here? We could have died eating in Egypt. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing the text just a little bit there. But I think that's what they were saying. We we could have had shelter and food and we have everything we, we wanted back there. Okay, we were slaves. <laughs> but we had what we, we really wanted, the food, the water, the shelter. We had all of that. How quick they forget that they would, would be working for the glory of Egypt rather than working for the glory of living God. Now, I don't know about you, but if they were my children, I would just smack them real hard. How about that? <laughs> Not the way then you feel like doing that when you hear that? I mean, hear, hear all these wonderful, fabulous things God has done for them. And then they're complaining that, that they're worried about some food. And they want to go back to slavery. We're like that, aren't we? We like to focus on the past because we think it's better than what, what we have. We're kind of like running backwards, looking at where we've been rather than looking at where we're going or where God's leading us. Runners do it the same too. Let's run that video. This guy is not, not sure about this guy. He's, uh, I'm not sure whether he's going that way or whether he's going that way. And he's probably not that sure either. 
Now, this is not being run backwards. He's actually running backwards. Now, do, are there any backwards runners here? Anybody's ever tried this? Here you go. See, he's got the club on the back, backward running club. I don't know. If you want to try that, I have the instructions right here, okay? It says, start slowly. As with any new activity, you'll be using different muscles, which must be conditioned. Begin by walking backwards, and as you get more comfortable, begin to jog. Choose the terrain carefully. You want a smooth terrain over, or, or even a treadmill with handrails for support, and find a low traffic area. Most important, do not perform backwards running on popular walking, biking paths or crowded streets. <laughs> not only will you be a hindrance to everyone, but you'll get a lot of stare, odd stares and comments. Alternate sides when looking backwards while running backwards to prevent neck cramps. <laughs> Work out with a forward-moving partner uh, and then limit yourself. You don't want to overdo it like anything. Running backwards, sometimes it seems that's the way we are. We're, we think we want to move forward, but we're wanting to look at where we've come from. And we, we, we're not turning around and committing fully to a forward progress. We want to look back at the past. Where is our focus? Is it on what happened years ago? Or is it where God might be leading us, where things might be a little hard? where things might be a little bit of a struggle, where things are a little bit unknown. Do we freeze up at the thought that, that we're being told now that we have to move forward to a place we're not sure about, that, that no one's really been there yet, and that we don't know where it is, but yet we're told to go forward and make progress? Now, Matt told you I've been in business. My business was an air conditioning business. I spent a lot of time climbing ladders. And if you've ever been a person who gets uh, height fear, you know that when you climb a ladder, you always think, don't look down. And then you repeat that, don't look down, don't look down as you're climbing up, up. Keep your focus going up. Of course, you always look down, right? <laughs> because you're thinking, don't look down. And you go, well, I wonder what it would be like. I should look down. And, 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 you, and you can freeze up. It can paralyze you. Fortunately, I didn't, never had that problem climbing ladders myself, except the one time I was on the top of Half Dome. Maybe you've climbed to the top of Half Dome. I crawled out onto what's called Devil's Diving Board, which is a rock that juts out over the face of Yosemite Valley. And from there, you can look down and see the front part of Half Dome. You're that far out over the edge. And when I looked... I, I sat there for the picture. You know, I'm going, come on, take a picture. Take the picture. And then I looked down. I didn't look down until after the picture. And I did. I got that feeling, you know, in my stomach that's like, you know, I'm looking down 2,000 feet be below my shoes. And so I can relate to a little bit to, to, to that feeling of, of people on, on ladders looking down, doing what you really shouldn't do sometimes. Fortunately, I, I got off the rock and, and got down. And some people, that's their only view. They're, they're only wanting to look to the, to the past. They only want to look back. They don't want to look forward. 
Maybe the forward is too, too frightening for them. Remember those cars? Maybe you don't remember those cars. Maybe you're too young. I hope you're too young to remember the Buick Sport Wagons, the cars that had the backward-facing rear seat, you know? And, and as a kid, we used to fight over who got to sit in the backward-facing rear seat of the, of the station wagon. Our friends had one. And you could get the truckers to honk, right? <laughs> you see how many you could get, or you wave at, at various people, people passing you or you passing them. Now all children have to sit facing the back in the, in the safety chairs just for their own protection and, and safety. We didn't know that was the safest place in the whole car back then, but we love to sit back back there. We like to think back to the good old days, how fun those things were, and how great they were. But you know what? The good old days really weren't all that good. My, my dad says the only thing about good old days was that they were old, <laughs> not that they were good. And he's 84, so he should know. So I, I think he knows. I'm, I'm finding that out more and more the older I get and realize that today are the good old days that our children will look back on and say, boy, those were the good old days, right? Even though we're struggling and it's difficult and there's all kinds of things going on around us. We forget the difficulty and pain as we look back. And we remember the good things. And Israel was doing that very same thing. They were thinking, I had food. I had shelter. I don't have those things here in the desert. I got a tent. I got no water. I got no food. Back in Egypt, I had those things. Maybe I should go back. And they forget that it was slavery that they would be going back to and possibly even, even death going back. But you see, God calls us forward constantly. God never calls us back. God calls us forward to His glory, not to look back with a faulty memory. And so often our memories are faulty as we look back. Mine is getting more and more faulty as the time goes on. God wants, to, wants us to see Him in the desert, in our future, to look ahead of us, not behind us constantly, to, to, to enjoy what's happened in the past but not try to recreate it always into our future. I think that's the biggest mistake we so often fall into is that we want to recreate the past into the future and it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't work. I wore my shirt ha tail hanging out. Ten years ago, I never would have worn my shirt tail hanging out. 30 years before that, I would have worn my shirt tail hanging out. You know, we just, it keeps going around, right? <laughs> right? So they try to do it. They try to do it to us. They try to bring the past back. It just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to, to work. Sometimes we play that what if game. You know, what if I'd have married that other girl way, way back when? Or guy. Uh, what if I'd taken that other job, the one in New York City or in Silicon Valley? What if I'd purchased that winning lottery ticket? Boy, wouldn't have that. That would have changed my whole life. But you know, that's such, a, that's such a dead end game. I don't know if you've ever, ever played that. When there are hard things, when there are difficult things, when there are things we must endure. God wants us to look ahead 
not back, not to the what ifs, but to the what might be's. To know he's waiting for us in our future. To know that that's the future he's calling us to. And I know that, that it's hard for Highlands right now because the future seems the great unknown. Trust me, it's a great unknown to me too. I've done this four times already and each time God has been faithful walking with each congregation as they move forward. So together, we'll look to the future. I'm looking forward to it. For, for me, it means I get to retire again. <laughs> and for you, it means you have a brand new pastor who will be leading you into your future. Something far greater than what your past has ever been. And, and you need to, to believe that and trust that because that's what God has in store for us. Better bigger, more in touch with who he is and who he wants us to be. So let's not get impatient with God. I know we all get impatient with God at times. We say, God, give me patience and give it to me now. I need it now. Doesn't seem, God's, God rarely answers that prayer. Have you never noticed that? Never answers that, that patience prayer. Israel thought following God was far worse than slavery in Egypt. Do you hear that? Israel thought following God was worse than slavery. That's an amazing thing. That's, that's a, a group of people who refuse to look forward into the future and to see the past clearly, and to know who's leading into the future. Now, God didn't say, boy, I guess I better feed these group, this group of grumpy people or I'm going to really have a mutiny on my hands. He doesn't do that. He does feed them. But he says, I want you first, as a people, to look into the desert and to see my glory first. Not back towards Egypt where you were slaves. I want you to look into the desert, a place you really don't want to go, a place that, that is totally alien to you and hostile because that's where I am. That's where I'm calling you to come into the desert. Look for my glory. It's ahead of you where I'm leading you. Seek it out and then all will be provided. It's not back in Egypt anymore. There is no going back to Egypt. God wanted the children of Israel to look for his glory first not glory in the food he gave, not glory into the gifts God was doing, not glory in all the bennies that they were getting because they were complaining, but to see God's glory first and know that it was the living God calling them and guiding them into their future. This is what Paul, the Apostle Paul says in Romans. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? As we look for God's glory as a people of God here in Paso Robles, as we look ahead into the future, God will bless us and bless our needs far beyond any of the expectations you may have right now. God wants to do that. He wanted to do that for the nation of Israel, and he wants to do that for Highlands. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be an interim pastor. I, would, I wouldn't try and help churches through transitions. If all that's at the end of a transition is something far less than what you entered it with, that's a sad thing. But I believe that God has greater things in store. Now, God blessed the nation of Israel with quail and manna. Now, the manna, I don't know if you know, manna, the, the word for manna is the question, what is it? That's what manna means. Even the name of it is kind of a complaint, don't you think? What is it? <laughs> My kids would always do that. Oh, what? You put the casserole on the table. No, oh, what is it? <laughs> Quail, night after night, can't we have chicken? How about a salad once in a while? Come on, God, let's have, you know. God blesses us wants to bless us. He's dying to bless us as his people. He wants us to look for his glory. It's out in the desert. You see, God sees the destination already. He sees the fulfillment of the promise for Highlands Church. All he's saying is, follow me. To that destination. Follow me to that promise. Each one of us, he is calling us to do that. To seek out his glory. And God will give us exactly what we need. It may not be what we want. Okay? There'll be time for enough complaining and grumbling. But I love the fact that he doesn't just smash them because they're grumbling. God is patient and continues to call us to come to him, to seek out his glory. It's out in the desert where we fear to go, but we must go as his people. God is calling me today and you as Highlands Church to seek out his glory. It's out before us in our future. Let us seek that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you love us so, that you have given us freedom in you that is beyond measure, that you love us so and are willing to call us to yourself, to reveal your glory to us, that we might truly be your children and your people. You see our destination. You see the promise fulfilled in us. Lord, lead us, help us to be eager followers of you. In Christ's name, amen. 
This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.